You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Brad Barrett, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. I have a confession to make. Maybe a few, in fact. I'm retired, but I spend approximately 40 hours a week doing a job. I fill my time doing only things that I love to do, but earn six figures doing it. The grand majority of my income comes from relatively mindless work that takes about 10 hours a week. Yet I spend 30 hours a week doing deeply difficult work that I occasionally wish to avoid, but I do it for free. I am financially independent, yet I am busier than ever. I am happier today than when I quit the job of being a doctor, but that happiness showed up many months after leaving and required not only emotional, but eventually intellectual work. A good friend of mine a bunch of months ago put out this tweet. I quote, if you continue working after reaching financial independence, you are picking that job over literally everything else in the world you could otherwise do with your time. Okay, if you truly love every second of it, but you only get 90 years on this planet, so choose very wisely. Today, we ask the question, is the goal to be jobless? With my friend and fellow podcaster, Brad Barrett. Brad Barrett is the host of the Top 50 Business Podcast, Choose FI, a personal finance expert and a certified public accountant. He has a passion for financial independence and helping people take action to make their lives richer in every way, wealth, health, connections, and ultimately happiness. Brad Barrett, welcome to Earn and Invest. Let me start with a tricky question here. Tell me something you've done in the last six months that you dreaded. Ooh, oh, that's a good one. Well, thank you, Doc. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's always good to be here. I was not expecting that question. That's a really good one. That I've dreaded. I don't know if there's anything that I've done that I've dreaded. I think that. I guess the easy kind of trite answer is that's one of the benefits of being phi, right? Is like you technically have control of your time, but as you said, right, you are working 40 hours, I'm working a significant number of hours. So it's not to say that every hour that I've spent is like unicorns and rainbows. I mean, hardly, <laughs> hardly, right? Like that, and I suspect we'll talk about that a lot this this conversation right is is the reality and versus what we think of this wonder of phi and how reality intersects with that but 
is there anything I've done that I've truly dreaded? I mean, no, I can't, I can't think of anything. I'm racking my brain now, but yeah, that's all I got. Compare and contrast that to when you were actively working as a CPA. Oh, I mean, that's a no brainer. It's, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I, yeah, I mean, dread. Yeah. I mean, all How about of dislike. The, yeah. yeah we, we don't want to go as dread. Let's say dislike. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm getting too caught up on that word dread, but, which is a brilliant word, by the way. But yeah, I mean, essentially every single day it, it was doing mindless tasks that I had done. It was Groundhog Day every day for 13 years, essentially. Well, maybe 12 years, right? Because the first the first year it was all new. And then at least in my my corporate job after I left public accounting. So it was more or less doing the same 250 state tax returns every single year for 13 years. So yeah, needless to say, that wasn't the most intellectually stimulating job. But that said, and this is, I think you are not anti-work. I'm not anti-work either by any means. That was a lifestyle play for me. And it was done very intentionally. And I don't regret it for one second. I mean, I was it enabled me to live the life that I wanted. Right. I I worked again, I I made this decision with eyes wide open. So intellectually, and and I'm I never loved accounting, to be fair. I think the actual bare bones of and the basics of accounting is essential for running your own business. I think it's the the language of business. So actual accounting, the debits and credits of things, very important. I picked uh, career and tax, which was just not really my thing. And I just kind of got along that line. But where I was going with that was public accounting is interesting. You're dealing with new clients and new people all the time. And there was a huge upside of potentially being a partner, albeit with a significant downside of having to work for eight to 15 years and drumming up business, et cetera. So that was not the life I wanted. And I went to work for one of my clients. And again, this was a very intentional decision and it was measured, right? So my salary was decent, but I never made six figures as a base salary in at all, ever. And, but, I worked 40 hours a week at most. I worked eight minutes from my house. So th- it was a lifestyle play from a from a pretty early age. And like I was saying, it enabled me to get to FI in my mid to late 30s. And it enabled us to live the life that we wanted where my wife was able to stay home because again, we had made all these other decisions, you know, to leave a high cost of living area. I mean, you I, I suspect the audience knows knows my story sadly at this point, but but I'm happy to go into it, of course. Was there ever this idea that maybe I'm not doing the right part of accounting and that if I found something within it that I was more passionate about, I might not be in such a rush to get there? Yeah, it's it's possible. I, I, I think in fairness, I did pick the wrong career path in accounting. I suspect. So basically, when you go into public accounting, you have two main options. You have tax or audit. There are other ancillary choices that you can make, but those are the two main ones. I I think I would have liked audit dramatically better going into companies and looking at their books and trying to figure things out like more detective style that that's a little more my, my forte, but I think it just luck of the draw kind of thing. Or as a 22 year old kid, I applied at, at that point as the big five, I applied for tax at two of them and audit at three. And it just wound up 
where I went, where I went up working was, was for tax. So long story short, I suspect I would have liked audits slightly better, but I think there were so many fundamental structural issues that I didn't like about, about accounting in general, and also different types of jobs where you have billable hours. So think lawyer, where you have to essentially look at your time on a six or 15 minute basis. I mean, doc, I kid you not on six minute basis. I had to mark down tenths of an hour on my billable hours, which was just mind numbingly terrible. Just corporate America generally and FaceTime and all the things that you needed to do to quote unquote succeed. It just never, it never made sense to me. Like my brain has always been about work output and quality as opposed to showing up for a certain number, number of hours or making certain friends or, you know, just things like that. It's just, that never appealed to me. So yeah, I mean, yes and no is ultimately the answer, I think. So you were very intentional about this idea of becoming financially independent. When you hit your number, was it like, boom, jackpot, I'm out? Uh Or did you end up continuing to work for a while once you were financially independent? Yeah. So my story is somewhat more complicated than that, more more detailed, I guess, because there's the intersection of entrepreneurship into into my FI journey. And I think I think a lot of our FI journeys are have some aspect of of you know, I, I always still hate the term side hustle, but but side hustles or entrepreneurship or business building. So when I technically when I left my job, which is actually almost eight years ago to the day, uh, we're coming up on the eighth eighth anniversary as we're recording this. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was definitely, I had not reached that true mathematical point of financial independence at that point, but I was very, very far along the path. It was probably somewhere in the 70 to 80% range of, of that fine number. But at that point I had been building, building websites just for mostly for fun, but always in the back of my mind, Hey, could I make some money from this? Could I prove out a business model that could work given a small amount of time input? So going way back and just to to fill in the blanks, because this is, I think, vaguely interesting, is I had a website called richmondsavers.com, which is like the world's worst website name. But uh <laughs> <laughs> but we lived in Richmond, we saved money, we were the Richmond Savers. So anyway, I got big time into travel rewards, so using credit card rewards points. And I wound up starting a a uh I guess a free travel rewards coaching service is what I called it. So I would actually jump on the phone with people entirely for free. So people who came to my website could sign up for essentially a 30-minute call for me. I would chat with them about using credit card rewards points. I would draft up a quick email to them on if they wanted to go to Disney World or Paris or Hawaii or whatever it was. Here's what you have to do. And then theoretically, they would use my credit card links to sign up for these cards in the future. So it was kind of like putting my accountant's hat on. And like, we call this like the talent stack, right? So from the the Scott Adams book, and basically I was an accountant who understood lifetime value of customer. I was also a personal finance blogger and who was into travel rewards, but I didn't have a lot of website traffic. How could I make this into a business? So I figured even with a small amount of traffic, I could basically do this coaching service. And if somebody signed up for a couple of credit cards, 
the lifetime value of a customer for me could be pretty significant given a 30 or 40 minute time commitment for me. So anyway, the why I'm going into this is I proved out that business model. I mean, Doc, I was not making a ton of money, but like maybe a thousand bucks a month or something like that. But given that I was only doing that a couple hours a week, okay, maybe there's something here, right? And then again, I am 70 plus percent of the way to FI. I have proven out this business model to myself. And interestingly, kind of the straw that broke the camel's back with my corporate career was similar to what I was saying about that FaceTime and how it just, it never, it never made sense to me. You have to be in the office from X hour to Y hour. And the VP of our department, who was, who's a really great guy. I have no, no issues with him in general, but it was one day the hours of our job changed basically just to kind of like prove a point to like the CFO or something like in a different, totally different state that, oh, we're pulling our weight. It was this nonsensical thing. And all of a sudden, instead of coming in at 8.30, I needed to be there at eight or something like that. And instead of nine, it was 8.30. And it was just, it. I mean, honestly, it pissed me off so <laughs> much. I can't even tell you. And it was just, forget this crap. I am out of here. This this is it. And like, I know it, it sounds childish on, on the backside of it, but like, it was just such like an arbitrary decision that had nothing to do with who we were, what the output we were putting out for such a small department, for a tax department, for a massive company. Like we should have been praised and we got this this penalty basically. And so that was straw the brick to camel's back. I literally, I think I put my notice in in January of 2015. And on February 1st, 2015, I went up starting the website travelmiles101.com, which enabled me to kind of scale my individual travel coaching service. And so it all is inextricably linked here, Doc, of like, you know, that FI path, mm-hmm. the not loving aspects of corporate America and entrepreneurship. So it, it's amazing how it all kind of came together at that one time. So it's clear when you were at the CAPA firm, you were doing work, you were an employee. On the other hand, then you started with Richmond Saver, something you were doing on the side, something you would do even if you weren't making immediate money from it. Let's talk about the nature of work. Clearly, when you were working for the CPA firm, that was work. Was Richmond Savers work? And did making money have anything to do with it? Was it a hobby? Like, how would you classify it? Yeah, it's a good question. I think nature of work and and earning money. I think that that's something we should definitely talk a, a good bit about here. But but I will answer your question directly, which is Richmond Savers did not feel like work to me. Richmond Savers, especially at the beginning. So let's split up that travel rewards coaching service. Mm-hmm from just creating what I thought was interesting content that could help people. And I think that that has kind of always been the through line for me on everything I've done from Richmond Savers on, which is Richmond Savers Travel Miles and now ChooseFi, is creating interesting content that I think can help people and maybe that I'm curating and clarifying in a way that if not if i'm not the only person that can do it but I, but i think i have i'd like to believe at least that i have a way of clarifying things that other people can understand and take action on and i think that has always been something that like 
I've been especially proud of. And I think that has been where I think that I add value. I don't think I'm necessarily setting the world on fire with brand new ideas. I think I'm a pretty clear thinker, but but I'm not setting the world idea you know, on fire with new ideas. It's just plain and simple. But but can I clarify things? Can I curate things? Yeah. I mean, that that's what I do. And I think I I tried to do that from the very beginning of, hey, this is how we're living our lives. Here's what I think you could take away from it. Because it, it's all about relating to people, right? So like, were there other families like ours out there that could benefit from this? That maybe like, they don't realize just with a few little changes, they can make their lives dramatically better. And so it didn't feel like work at all. Like none, creating content like that did not feel like work. But then, you know, it's interesting, right? Where money-making creeps into things. And, you know, the the travel rewards thing, I think I think it, and, and what I've always tried, and obviously I'm not perfect and I've, I've fallen down on this at, at points, but where I've always tried to do is make things win-win. So can I produce quality, actionable content that helps you and if you get help from it, you click on a link of mine and I happen to earn money at no cost to you. Like that has always felt like a win-win and something I could sleep very, very soundly with and didn't feel like I was exploiting anybody or trying to earn money off of their bag, nothing like that. So that is what I always did with that, with the, the credit card affiliate links. And I, I, again, I still to this day feel great about that. That said, would I... So would I be would I have created the content if I could earn no money from it? So yeah, I'd like to believe that I would have created the article on how we went to Disney World, which was the only article that ever mattered on Richmond Savers, essentially. <laughs> right? <Am> I, <laughs> would I have created that? Unquestionably, I would have. Would I have created the Travel Miles course, Travel Miles 101 course that walked people through travel rewards? I suspect that I would have because it, it didn't take me that long to create. It was fun. But would I have jumped on the phone at my lunch hour? I mean, Doc, this I'm working as a corporate tax manager. And at 12 <laughs> and 12.30 Eastern time, I had two call slots for random people from my website. Would I have done that? I mean, I can't imagine. If I made $0 from it or there was zero, there was a chance to make $0, it's hard to be intellectually honest and say that I would have done that if I could earn zero dollars from it. I was just going to say, and I have to admit, you know, I'm being a little bit of a stickler here, right? Because I'm looking at you as almost to financial independence at that point or pretty much on your way. And I'm looking at it through the lens again of that tweet. Okay, if you truly love every second of it, but you only get 90 years on this planet, so choose very wisely. You know, it brings up this question, right? Is how much do we have to love what we're doing, especially when we have enough money to decide it's worth doing? Because I've found that no matter how much I love something, there are always some pain points. I love making this podcast, but there are definitely pain points associated with it. I mean, I guess I could pay to have someone else do almost everything that's painful. But at some point, I know that, you know, there's going to be some things that I don't love. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. And and as I'm hearing I'm hearing the tweet, I agree obviously with my sentiment, right? And 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 I still hold to that. <laughs> but it's hard to be nuanced and not sound dogmatic when you have what a 140 or 280 characters, right? So, I think that's that's some of my frustration with social media in general, which is funny because when you said we were going to do this episode, 
on a tweet that I did. I'm like, oh my god, I, I probably only tweeted like 10, 10 things of interest in my entire life. So that was quite a surprise. Yeah, I just generally don't like, I don't love social media. I think part of also why it's hard to do a podcast or create any content is you're always going to have like life is not black and white. There's mm -hmm. always nuance, right? And like, I mean, you know this, Jordan, right? Like when we talk, we try to give the most broadly applicable information as we can, but there are always carve outs. There's all, always going to be some individual person who has a situation that that doesn't make sense for, right? So, I, and I get those emails and I like, I, I feel badly on some sense. And I, I, I wish that I could do better. I wish that I had a, a hundred hours in a day that I could record for every single person, but it just doesn't work that way. So, so anyway, going back to the the tweet, I hold to the sentiment of it in the sense that I think people hold on to jobs potentially for the wrong reasons. And I think often, especially people who have long since reached financial independence, they're holding on and onto it for making money is the way that they feel that they get validation or one more yearism, right? Which is, oh, am I really at FI? Is this all going to come imploding down? I should just give do one more year. And one more year turns into three more years, turns into 10 more years, right? Or the people who just maybe they like a tiny little fraction of what they do, but the rest of it is made up of, you know, old school office space, like TPS reports and meetings and, you know, just nonsense that I think, frankly, a lot of corporate America is like when I, when I've been talking to them, I, I, I try to give these like broad, <laughs> wide ranging lessons to my daughters that are, are not as boring as that sounds as I'm saying that, <laughs> um, but you know, they, they're asking me like, how many hours, if you're there from like nine to five, how many hours are you actually working? Like, and I said, you know, honestly, I think most people, most, I mean, really most people with office jobs are probably working two to four hours of those eight at, at, at most, like actual deep work. And I know that's a broad brush and, and, and whatnot, but I mean, if it were just, okay, this is the actual aspect of my job that I like, and, and I could just carve that out, I think that would be really cool to just do the parts of your job that you like but 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 right we're both realistic to know that like that's not the way the world works like we have these idealized versions of the phi world and that comes crashing down when you reach the intersection of like okay the theory versus the reality so you know if you're going to tell me that a tweet is not unassailable now i don't know if we can even agree to continue <laughs> this podcast but you know so let me turn that around a little bit there are a lot of people who actually reach financial independence. They like something small about work, right? Like I loved hospice work, but that was 10% of what I was doing all day as a doctor. On the other hand, they have no clue what actually they want to do with themselves. What do you tell a person like that who actually says, you know what? I don't need the money anymore, but I know I love the small part of work versus going home, sitting around and being lost and feeling this crushing pressure of trying to figure out my purpose in life when I just don't know what it is. Yeah. So, I mean, before we before we get there, can I just ask you about, so that 10% of your job that was the hospice work, is, is there any world, and this is where, the, again, the theory might come crashing into the reality, like, is there any world or any hospital or any situation where you could have just done that 10%? 
So there is. And, you know, I often look at my trajectory and I think, boy, if I had known more about kind of purpose and identity as a very young physician, I would have gone into hospice in the first place and might not have felt that big push and struggle to become financially independent because I probably would have enjoyed my job a lot more. But instead, I wasn't very in touch with who I was or what I needed as a person and went after a field in medicine that didn't really connect with who I was and therefore burned out and felt like I had to get to financial independence as fast as possible to escape it. So yes, there was a world and I had to eventually create that world in financial independence. And the way I created that is I kept on subtracting out all the things I didn't like until I created the position I wanted, which was 10 to 15 hours a week of hospice work in which I didn't do nights, weekends, and was mostly virtual. But I had to create that job over time. Interesting. So I know you've said that you did a lot of like administration and and like running things, or at least my understanding in, in one of your last jobs. but. So was this 10 to 15 hours? Was that after? Was that before this shot? Or like place me in time? Because I think this is important. So this is the last thing I did was I just got rid of everything but hospice. And then I narrowed it down to just working 10 to 15 hours a week. Okay. Interesting. So now, like you just said, okay, this was something that I absolutely loved doing. This was maybe a call. Like, I know you, you've talked so many times about, about the intersection of identity, being a physician, et cetera, but also genuinely what you loved about being a physician. And you just said, hey, I have it for 10 hours a week, but yet you're not doing that anymore, right? Well, I'm still doing it. I mean, I still work in hospice 10 hours a week. Do you really? I do. I do. Oh, it's the goodness. one part of medicine Jordan. that I would do even if I wasn't getting paid for it. So I know that's the oh, thing I want to stick with. That's so I incredible. still do that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I totally lost the plot there. I think that's incredible. Okay. That is wonderful. So you will continue to do this. So you have just answered the question of, of like, again, what I think of in theory of what could somebody do? Can they drill down to the absolute essence of what they enjoy about their job and not all the other BS, the driving to the job, the trying to impress people, the trying to get promotions, the having to go to meetings, all all of that stuff that people, nobody likes that. And I mean, frankly, I'm not sure what percentage of people actually like the meat of their job. But if we're saying there is obviously, there's some percentage, right? You are case in point. There were aspects of some intellectually stimulating aspects of my job that Sure, I would have done for 30 minutes a day because it, it, it's fun, right? It's it's neat to do things. I suspect there are many people that get value from their job like that, but it it's only a portion. But it is doable, right? Like it's 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 possible to find that. And I think what I would tell people to get around to your actual question is okay, so you've reached a point of financial independence. I think that's that's the where we're going here as a baseline. So you've reached this point of phi. And I think I, we should also then have an, another line of reasoning on before you get to find what you can be doing to prepare, but but we'll put that to the side for now. So you've reached the point of financial independence, and now you have essentially two major options. Of course, there are always, always more options in life, but we're talking like the most obvious ones are you can continue doing your exact same job, or you can leave your job and exercise your your benefits of five, right? So I think that is a completely artificial construct. And I think what we've been surprised by, I think pleasantly surprised by, is how much power we all have that we don't believe 
that we do that we or that we did have let's say so now an employer obviously by definition of employing you must be getting more value from your work output than the amount of money they pay you right can we use that as as kind of background agreed agreed <laughs> they wouldn't employ you yes they would not employ you right or they or they're terrible business people and they'll go out of business etc cetera, etc cetera. so so we'll put that to the side and we'll say by definition they're getting more value from you than than you're getting in in salary now okay so that means your work output is doing something significant for their company that they need now it costs a whole lot of money and it's a lot of headache and heartburn for employers to find new employees especially in this day and age, right? To find someone capable, which you don't know if they're capable from a from an interview, frankly, but hoping that person's capable, then training them and then seeing how they're going to work on the job, right? Whereas they have you, they know, they know the work output you do. And if you basically say to them, hey, look, I'm essentially, and this is, you're not, you're not being rude. You're not putting anybody, there's no like ultimatum here. It's just, Okay, I'm reaching the point where I am going to you can use whatever phrase phraseology you want, retire or or leave the job or whatever. But what I would really love is X, Y, and Z. I would love to keep doing this because I think I'm uniquely suited to it. I think I add value. I think it adds value to my life. Like, what would it look like? What would it look like to change this to something not traditional? And Jordan, I mean, frankly, before before COVID, I think a lot of employers would have maybe had an issue with non-traditional work situations. But the last two and a half years have opened all of our eyes that non-traditional work situations can work exceedingly well. So I think as we're recording this, the world is much more open to these type of conversations than they were 30 months ago or, or slightly more, right? So I think I think you have a little more leverage there because people have seen that it works. So what would it look like to have that conversation? Is that going to be uncomfortable? I mean, of course it is. Any kind of any kind of thing. You talked about dread before. Like <laughs> I, I even I would I would dread a, a conversation like that, even though there's nothing to dread, right? Like in life, one of the big things that we've gotten from Choose of I, one of our, our favorite kind of taglines is everything is negotiable. And I think it's just something that has really resonated with the FI community is you're not looking, again, like I said before, win-win. You're looking for to create win-win situations. And if you're not so scared to negotiate, and I always was my whole life in, in lots of things, but when you're not afraid and when you're just a nice person and when you approach something with openness and humility and you say like, hey, look, this is what I'm looking, what I'm looking to get, what I'm, what I can give. I think you'd be surprised at what what your employer might offer you. And it might be a situation where you're working 5, 10, 15, 20, whatever X number of hours a week doing just the aspects that you love, which presumably are going to be the parts that add the most value to this employer. And that sounds like a win. We are talking to Brad Barrett. He's the host of the Chooseify podcast. And we are talking about whether the goal is to be jobless in financial independence. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G. And this is the Earn and Invest podcast. You know what? 
I love our meals from Factor. My son started getting them about a year ago when he needed a quick alternative to meals on the go. But where we've really enjoyed them is we've been remodeling our kitchen. That's right. We've had no access to our kitchen for the last few weeks. And some nights we just had no idea what to do for a meal. That is where Factor came in. We would just pop the meal in the microwave and two minutes later we'd have a fantastic meal. You can do the exact same thing, and there's tons of variety. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week. These are chef-prepared meals, and let me tell you, they are delicious. No fuss, no mess. You just put it in the microwave, and two minutes later... You have a meal. This is tailored to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Head to factormeals.com slash earn50 and use your code earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code earn50 at factormeals.com slash earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay. I know, I'm going to do something really annoying right here. I had so much fun giving away five J.L. Collins books, The Simple Path to Wealth. They were signed. People were so excited about it. I got tons of responses. I am going to do another giveaway, but I'm not going to do it now. But I wanted to prepare everyone because the problem with doing a giveaway is that often people listen to my episodes days later after they've been dropped, and therefore they are already too late. So I'm giving you fair warning. Sometime in the next month, I am going to give away five signed copies of my book, Taking Stock, which is about what I, as a hospice doctor, can teach you about money and life. The reason why I'm telling you now is I think this will be a great Christmas present. In fact, in order to win this book, you're going to have to show me proof that you've either bought my book or left a review on Amazon. If you give me that proof, I am happy to send this book. Maybe you want to send it as a holiday present, and therefore you can give me the name and address of a loved one, and I will send them a copy, hand-signed, of my book, Taking Stock. I'm going to do this sometime over the next month. I'm not going to tell you when, but the minute the episode drops announcing this book giveaway, you will then have to contact me and let me know you're interested. Show me proof that you've bought a copy of my book or left an Amazon review, and I will send a Christmas present to whoever you wish. All you have to do is give me their name and address. Can't wait to do the book giveaway that is coming in the future. Now back to the episode. Let me reintroduce you. We are talking to Brad Barrett. He's the host of the Top 50 Business Podcast, Choose FI, a personal finance expert and a certified public accountant. He has a passion for financial independence and helping people take action to make their lives richer in every way. Brad, we've been talking about this idea of work and employment and whether the goal of financial independence is to leave your job. Let's talk about the problems leaving your job solves and the problems that it doesn't. I mean, does that automatically fix life problems? Like, do you say, I'm getting rid of this toxic job and now nirvana, life's good? (laughs) Hardly. I think Obviously, subtracting something hugely negative is never going to be a bad thing in in my estimation. But to imagine that 
just by subtracting, you're going to reach a point of nirvana, I think is is just not the way the world works. Um, we had a, a guest on years ago called the Happy Philosopher. He was actually a physician. And yeah, he talked about alligators and kittens. And, and it was really a, a cool thing. So right, get rid of all these hugely negative aspects, the alligators first, because if you had if you had alligators in your home, you'd probably want to get rid of them fairly, fairly quickly, right? And so I think of toxic relationships, toxic work. For me, it was consuming too much news and just getting consumed by that. So like huge negatives, I think should be, you, you should do what you can to get rid of them and, and kind of identify and get rid of them in your life. But that said, I think you, you have to be running towards something not away from something. And you said, what is you know the, the goal of financial independence, right? And, and this is something I think you and I could have an interesting talk about, right? The, the goal of financial independence, is it to have no job? I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think anything is that simplistic in life. And having a job is great if that's what you want to do with your time. I, I think that's fine. So like anybody who thinks that like I or anybody or the financial independence community generally are like, anti-job, I think that's just so hopelessly simplistic and and just off the mark. And if we are somehow exuding that or getting that, or, or that's what people get from us, then we're doing a bad job, frankly. You know, you and I and, and people like us are doing a, a bad job because I don't think that is the case. So I think what we have hit on and and lots of our guests and our friends, right? Like Brandon, the mad scientist is somebody who who jumps to mind and like, kind of laying the groundwork for what makes you happy years before you reach phi. Because if phi is just a number to you, if phi is just a point in time where, hey, that number on my screen at Vanguard or Fidelity or wherever tells me I'm phi, and that's all the work I've ever put in, right? Like all the work I've ever put in on this journey is just to get to a number. I suspect strongly you're going to be pretty unhappy. Because you haven't done any of the work to figure out, like, what am I here for? What do I want to do? What, like, what lights me up? Where do I add value? Where do I get value? Like, what am, what am I doing here? And I, I think so. A, a couple things spring to mind. I want to talk about both, like, like testing this, and and also there never not being like a final answer. I think because and and again, Jordan, I'd love I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but like I don't I don't live like a life of again the, the rainbows and unicorns that you got to chuckle out of before. Like my life is not rainbows and unicorns every day. And I suspect yours isn't either. And I suspect nobody's life is rainbows and unicorns every day. And and again, if we transmit the thought as you know, uh, financial independence podcasters that that life is great the second you hit phi or it's guaranteed. Like, no, no, no. Like that is not, that's just not the way the world works. Like is your life dramatically better at phi, even not with the introspection than you were previously? Yes, I, I would say on record, it absolutely is. But is your life, like you said, that, that nirvana? No, I mean, it just, it isn't. And this is constantly evolving. And I think where I was going with like the testing is, you have to put the work in. You have to try things. And I think that's part of the fun of life is just 
is trying things. And you never know. Like I've heard so many people say like, I want to sail around the world when I reach Phi. Mm -hmm. And like, they've never stepped foot in a boat before or something akin to that. Like they've never done anything. And like, do you really want to sail around the world? Like, are you sure? Should you maybe like, I don't know, go in the intro coastal waterway for like a couple of days before you decide to, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just making stuff up here, but like, should you test this? Yeah, you probably should. Like, and, and I, I, of course the big ones come to mind, Jordan, the, the van life and the, this and that, like, or this, the traveling around the world. Like, those are the obvious low-hanging fruit examples of, hey, you really should test that. But even down to the, oh, when I reach Phi, I'm going to volunteer three days a week. Okay, that sounds wonderful, right? And it sounds laudable and 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 all that kind of stuff. But do you really want to do that? When the rubber hits the road and you're showing up to Habitat for Humanity or the soup kitchen three days a week, are you just going to be grumbling about that? Because that's pretty bad if so, right? So like maybe maybe you test that. And and it's okay, honestly. Like you're not a worse person if you just say, Hey, I tried Habitat for Humanity. I thought this was gonna be something I'd do every week for the rest of my life, but I just don't like it. Like it doesn't make you a bad person. Like you can still you can find lots of ways to give back to the world, add value in your unique way. And I think that might be kind of the essence of my point is like you can add value in your unique way, right? Like would I have ever guessed, I haven't volunteered that much, frankly, since I reached Phi and, and that's okay. Like, sure, in the back of my mind, do I wish that I was volunteering more? Yeah, I do, right? But, but have I been adding value to the world in my own unique way? I mean, I think so. I think I've probably helped more people through Choose a Phi than I ever could have doing whatever fill in the blank you know i don't want to be again trite and and say building a house for some obviously that's that's wonderful right like but am i adding value in my unique way i think so and and it it lights me up and again it's always a it's always a test you know it's funny i i want to come back to the words work and employment because you know at some point you were talking about what we're doing as podcasters. And you said, if we're doing a good job at being podcasters, we shouldn't be telling people that the goal is not to have a job. But it reminds me of this idea that almost everyone I know who got to financial independence, who's now out in the world doing things, whether that be Brandon, the mad scientist, who's making music, doing his podcast and blogging, or me, who's writing a book and podcasting, or you, who's podcasting and working on Choose FI. You know, we all still, in a sense, have a job. We all still do work. I guess what's interesting about this is we have so much more complete control over the aspects of our day-to-day -day activities doing this work in these jobs than we ever did when we were employed. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. And and there obviously are aspects. And again, this is this where it's so important that we're clear, especially on the other side of Phi, that every day and every aspect of everything, even if you try to be intentional, even if you try to figure it out, is not rainbows and unicorns. It is not, right? Like, are there aspects of choose of I that I detest? Obviously there are. I'd be ah, lying so there, to you. So there are some things in the last six months <laughs> you've dreaded. <laughs> <laughs> well, dr dread, I think dread detest, is where I'm... <laughs> detest, not dreaded, sorry, detested. <laughs> detest, yeah. Detest is equally as strong, but maybe uh, maybe slightly different. And 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 detest might be might be a little too strong even there. But like, are there aspects of choose of I that 
in my perfect world that I'm not doing. Yeah, I mean, come on. I'd be a complete fool and a liar if I was saying saying no, that every second I'm I'm adding value and I'm getting getting value. Like, but but I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to find those ways. And I think that's kind of my whole kind of mindset and ethos behind my life generally. It's just I don't try, I don't beat myself up for for mistakes or I try not to. And I don't beat myself up for hey, this isn't perfect. I, I just tried to look for like little pain points or little things that I could do to make my life better. And I mean, is that like a straight line up? Like, no, it it obviously isn't. You know, like I'm not like ruthlessly optimizing every day. Like that, that again is not, it's just not my lived experience. But, but am I trying to find things? Like, am I trying to be more efficient? Am I trying to maybe find ways around those aspects of this quote unquote job. If we, you know, if, if we'll go and say that choose a is a job for me, because I think it would, it would almost any way you define it, it would fit the technical definition of job. Are there aspects of that job that I don't like? Yes, there are. And am I trying to in my way, because also, frankly, I'm the business owner or co-owner, right? So I have a little more latitude. I, I'm at financial independence, so I have some resources. My business makes some money, so I can choose to spend money since I don't need the profit per se, right? So like, are there ways that I can make my life easier by maybe hiring somebody? So that's how I choose to think about it, Jordan, is like, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the, the constraint, actually. So like my apathy for something or my maybe negative feelings for a certain aspect might be might be making me the constraint in a system where somebody else and this is uh Jillian Johnsrud talked about this at a at a Camp Fi years ago and she was talking about like I, I won't get her exact terminology right and I'll be kicking myself afterwards but but it was something to the effect of like everyone has their kind of circle of competence and certain people get lit up by different aspects of jobs, different aspects of life. And you might find it utterly ridiculous that they love that they love that area. But yet they do. And it's something that you absolutely hate. So maybe there's someone out there that this point in my business, which might be responding to email, or that's probably a bad example because I actually do kind of like that on, on the most part. But uh but it, but it gets overwhelming. Maybe sorting through the email might be a different one. So we get 50 spam emails a day. Like me hiring somebody to go into the email account in the morning to filter all that nonsense. And then I can swoop in and answer emails and questions and add value. Like, okay, maybe that's the rethink. So as opposed to changing right uh, email broadly, and I know this is such a specific example, Jordan, but like, but I think the actual, the mindset is, is broadly applicable to people. And that's why I'm spending time on it is that, okay, in my mind, if you ask me, is email like a, a negative sometimes? It absolutely is. But could I find those aspects of the email that, that I hate and maybe hire somebody to do that? And sure, is somebody like, is there somebody out there who's getting lit up by the fact that they can filter the spam emails out of choose of I know, but maybe, maybe they need a, a side hustle and this is something easy. So like there's, there are always reasons to do a job and like, could I, again, 
would that make my life easier? Am I, am I the constraint on, I don't know, reaching out and getting more voicemails? We've always called Chooseify the ultimate crowdsourced personal finance show. That's our, our little tagline. But what if getting voicemails and, and going through them and editing them or whatever, or just figuring out, is this worthwhile? Like, that's kind of annoying. It, it's hard to do. It takes a lot of time. Like, and if I'm the constraint there, then what's the natural progression as, as a human being is, oh, maybe I'll mention sending a voicemail much less frequently on the podcast, or maybe I'll mention it much less frequently in my email newsletter, right? So like, but what if I had somebody that could actually do that? And then all of a sudden, this becomes just a straight value add, because I would love to have more of the community's input, but maybe in the back of my mind, I'm not doing it because it's annoying. So what we're talking about generally is this idea of optimizing once we're doing that work we find fulfilling to make it less arduous, get rid of the friction, so to speak. Let me ask you about something tangential briefly here. We've all seen those studies about how people, once they retire, morbidity, mortality go up, especially in men, middle-aged men. How do you think that relates to this conversation? I mean, clearly, these are people who are probably doing things where they have lots of things they don't like doing yeah. at their jobs. And yet, people's health seems to decline once they retire. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's a, it, that's a big issue. I don't know anecdotally, and again, it's, it's only anecdote, but I don't know that that impacts the financial independence community quite as much as it does the broad broad swath of society. Again, very anecdotal, but, and, and I'd be curious since you're actually a medical doctor, I'd be curious your thoughts on this. But I think, I think a lot of people, when they have no purpose, when they have no reason to essentially get off the couch, that they're just kind of, they, they've worked so hard all these years and that they deserve a rest, right? Like, and those years might be 30 to 50 years. Like, and maybe they have let themselves go. Like, I can understand why people sit on the couch and feel that they deserve a rest, right? And I mean, does that make it the perfect answer? No, it obviously doesn't. And and your body only deteriorates. I see this with with my father, frankly. So this is very personal for me, Jordan. Very, very personal. And it's it's a source of incredible frustration for me that you know this has been his chosen path, and it's it's. I think it is a lack of having something else to do. And I, I, I don't think that something else necessarily had to be a job by any means. I think he worked hard for a long time. And, but it's in the absence. It, and this is what we were talking about before of like trying to figure out what you want to do with your time. Because sitting on the couch for 16 waking hours a day watching sports is not, it's not going to cut it. It's just not. So if that means doing some type of quote unquote job, or some, or a real, you know, a real job, or some aspect of a job, or again, volunteering, or just, I don't know, doing exercise, like what you were talking, or going finding a community. There's so many meetup groups. Like my brother has actually tried really hard to find meetup groups that do athletic things because he thinks it's going to help him a just be a healthier human, but b find like-minded people, right? So like, how do you find like-minded people? I think is another another broadly applicable thing for those of us in the fight community is like, how can you increase your, your luck surface area, which is what I call it, right? So like, how, what are there ways that I can increase the likelihood that I'm going to find, find friends or community? Like, 
is it going to a bar at at 1 p.m. and drinking beers or is it waking up at 6 a.m. and going to an outdoor exercise class? I think for me, that's a very, very obvious answer of the latter, right? So I think like finding those ways where you can find things you like to do, the intersection of finding things you like to do and and meeting people, finding community, like it, it, this is all inextricably linked. And, you know, I think I, just to kind of close the this portion of the conversation of like health, I think it's just something that, again, very anecdotal, but I have noticed pretty broadly in the FI community that people people now do have the time and space. And I think this is where, when the the lack of money stress which is just so ever present and prevalent for for most people is when when that when that stress is not there you have the time to take a step back and survey your life and say what do i want to do right who are those people i want in my life how can i spend time it, it, again in my case like trying to build a healthy life and for me exercise being outside all of these things are important. Like, I mean, no joke, Jordan, I, I did a, I, I would have laughed at you or I would have laughed at myself seven years ago or 10 years ago if I had said this out loud, but I just did a CrossFit competition <laughs> <laughs> this past weekend. I'm a 43-year-old guy and my wife and I just did a, a team CrossFit competition. Now, lest anybody think I'm some CrossFit expert, it, it was Festivus for the rest of us. So <laughs> the old school Seinfeld thing, but it was super intense and it was awesome. And it was amazing. If you had asked me when I was a young kid and I was looking at what a 43-year-old dad of two looked like in the 1980s, I don't think that person was doing CrossFit competitions. And uh, well, CrossFit didn't exist, but I don't think they were doing something comparable. And it's pretty cool that, and, and I think it's onward and upward from here. Like I don't, I don't consider myself on a downward trajectory health-wise at all. I think it's it's only up. Well, Brad Barrett, I wanted to thank you for being on the show today. I want to repeat this quote from your tweet one more time, just to make a point. If you continue working after reaching financial independence, you're picking that job over literally everything else in the world you could otherwise do with your time. Okay, if you truly love every second of it, but you only get 90 years on this planet, so choose very wisely. I didn't bring that quote up because it was unassailable. And not that we should follow it to a T either. But the idea is when you get your financial framework in order, when you're working towards financial independence or get there, it's not that you stop working. It's not that you don't have a job. It's just that you get to choose the work and the jobs you want that really have meaning and purpose for you. And you have ultimate control over when you start and stop them and whether they're fulfilling you or not. That doesn't mean you won't have moments that are difficult. You won't have friction in your life. It just means you'll have a lot more control over it. And that's what living a good life really looks like. That's what doing CrossFit competitions when you're 43 married and has two kids looks like. I want to end this episode the way I went, end every episode by asking you, Brad, what is up next in your life and how can people reach out to you if they want to know more? So first and foremost, what is going on with Brad Barrett? Yeah. So what's up next? Well, interestingly, and, and we've talked about this, Jordan, is I am now the solo host of Choose If I. So Jonathan, my longtime co-host and, and business partner is not doing the 
on-air podcasting, but everything's great, lest anybody be concerned. Everything's great. He's, you know, there are different seasons of life and he's still very actively engaged in Choose of I, so nothing, nothing bad there. But but yeah, I've been it's been super exciting to uh to be a solo host. And I know you went through something similar and it's obviously a lot of a lot of nerves, but it's been almost universally positive for me. I just I've been very excited and I think that's what's up next is just trying to figure out how can I how can I be the best podcast host that I can possibly be? How can I add the most value to the financial independence community? How can I get that community involved and help them take action to make their lives better? And I think that's that's really cool. And also just kind of going back to our old back catalog and things that used to work that we may have dropped. And like it's just exciting, frankly, to to just be able to really write the future of the show myself. And I mean, Jonathan and I have always been amazing partners. So there's certainly nothing negative in that regard, but like, but it's very different when it's, when it's entirely your thing. So yeah, I guess that is what is up now and next is I'm just, I'm really trying to grow the show and just make it much more crowdsourced than it's ever been, even though I think we've done a good job of that. And how can people reach out to you if they have questions? Yeah. So I, the best way actually is to get on my email newsletter. So I personally write and send out a weekly newsletter that I think I can say, like, I think it adds a ton of value. I mean, it, I genuinely think it's good. I, I don't normally tell people to sign up for email newsletters because it normally clogs up your inbox, but I think this will add value to your life. So chooseify.com slash subscribe. And literally every single week, I ask you to send in Hey, what was the one action you made that you took this week to make your life better? Send it in. And then I actually copy and paste six or seven of them every single week in next week's newsletter. And people just get so much inspiration from what others in our community are doing to make their lives better. So long story short is you literally just get on that email and just hit reply and it comes directly to me. I read every single email. This has been the Earn and Invest Podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Brad Barrett. That's a wrap. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. The corporate world is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job. My family doesn't come from corporate background, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. This is not your typical work podcast. Sometimes you need to be empathetic. And then there are times that you ask for input, but you don't really give a shit. <laughs> Listen to the Ambie Award-nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. Stretch opportunity. What is this, yoga class? Get out of here. <laughs> 